We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news. The Not A Pace Sponsor podcast has been affected by budget cuts. You can support this podcast by clicking on the Support This Podcast button on the homepage of the Not A Pace Sponsor podcast. And now, we return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Anthony Season Salt Hernandez, and we are coming to you live with today's episode of the Not a Paid Sponsor podcast. Um, today, we're going to be doing another MMA episode. I am going to be solo. We're going to be talking about everything from the legendary warrior himself being released from the UFC. You guys know who I'm talking about, Artem Lobov. We're going to be talking about the Nevada Athletic State Commission. And what they have decided, uh, their punishments for Khabib Connor and John Jones. We're going to be talking about Dustin Poirier, Bellator, Ronda Rousey, perhaps leaving the WWE, and Henry Cejudo. And we'll also be answering some of your questions. So sit tight. This is the Not A Paid Sponsor Podcast. What's going on, everybody? I am your host, Anthony Season Saul Hernandez, and I am very happy to be joining you guys here live on Twitch and Periscope for a very special live episode of the Not a Paid Sponsor podcast. Well, uh, it's special in that I'm doing it live, but we're still going to be doing the same thing. You guys are just going to kind of see me fumble, whereas I would pre-record these podcasts and edit them. Uh, with nobody looking, it you know you're gonna be seeing me make all these mistakes live. So go with the flow. Um, we're doing another MMA podcast, like I said. Uh, today I'm solo. Jesus will most likely be joining me next week after we uh, we get our weekend dose of uh, of the UFC now on ESPN One, uh, UFC Fight Night 144. Uh, it's going to be at 8 p.m. E. Oh, okay. It's going to be pretty good. 8 p.m. start time. I'm hoping the pacing goes better on this, uh, On you know, now that they're with the ESPN. They did pretty good uh, for their first events. Um, with that being said, uh, before we get started with the podcast, I would just like to give a special shout out to a Twitter friend of ours, at Brady underscore Robert. Uh, his father recently fell ill. Uh, he's also out there in Illinois. It's freezing cold out there. Uh, for those of you guys who are out there in sub-zero temperatures, please stay warm. People are freezing to death out there. Um, no need to be reckless. And uh, for uh, Brady Robert, you know, hope everything's good with your dad. Hope to, um, you know, we're we're hoping that he comes home soon and hoping he's recovering from the surgery. Uh, also, special shout out. To my cousin, for those of you guys who heard that little snippet of the intro song, uh, that song is named Mind Control by my cousin's band, uh, Stide-Eyed. Um, he allowed me to use the song for the intro and the outro of the podcast, and I wanted to pay fair respects to him. Um, 
for allowing me to use it. Um, with that being said, we'll jump right into it. So it's been a busy couple of days. I wasn't going to be doing an uh, I wasn't going to be doing an MMA podcast this week. I was actually uh, I posted it on Twitter. I posted it on Instagram that I wanted to take some time. I've been knee deep in Resident Evil Two. Uh, Capcom released the remake. The original one came out for the PlayStation One in 1998. And we're now getting a chance to, well, I've, I've been playing the game nonstop, but uh, I had to restart. Long story short, I won't get too much into gaming. I'll save that for another podcast. But uh, it was either stream Resident Evil 2 tonight or do the MMA podcast. And I kind of feel like there was enough news to chit-chat about. Um, the Nevada Athletic State Commission has handed down their punishments to Connor and Khabib. Um, respective to the incident that happened uh, when they fought. Um, Conor McGregor got six months, uh, suspe- uh got, was handed down a six month suspension, uh, and a $50,000 fine. And Khabib was handed a, I don't know, somewhat, uh, res- please respect my opinion. It's just like a little disproportionate $500,000, uh, that he has to pay to the commission. And he also has to serve a nine month suspension pending a reduction if he decides to record, I guess, some sort of PSA on bullying, which is a little ironic uh, for those of you guys who are well aware of what happened leading up to the fight. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you're going to pick your sides. Are you with Connor on this? You kind of feel like uh, the, the punishment was just. Uh, the money, really irrelevant because they all made bank, and they'll continue to make bank because they're I'm not going to say respectable fighters after what happened, but they are talented fighters at that. Um, I kind of feel like Khabib's punishment was a little crazy, but uh, although there was no residual fallout that I know of happening uh, as a result of what he did by jumping into the crowd, uh, the potential for uh, life-threatening harm to the fans that have attended as well as its impact to the sport uh, for those of us watching at home on pay-per-view and the brand itself and the commission who sanctioned the fight. Um, so, yeah, I kind of feel like, eh, you know, he got, he got what was coming to him. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are speculating that he won't fight this year at all due to religious reasons and his loyalty to his teammates. He said that he wouldn't fight if his teammates couldn't fight. Uh, and I, I believe the others that were involved were handed down $25,000. They were handed out $25,000 fines and they are suspended for one calendar year. Um, it seems that the punishments are retroactive uh, to when the incident occurred. But since the incident occurred close to the end of the year, we're still not going to be seeing these guys Uh you know, the chances of us seeing Khabib, at least, is slim to none, maybe before the end of the year, uh, if not next year. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, the UFC decided to let go of the GOAT. I was going to have some sort of sound effect. I was going to make kind of, I was going to make fun of it uh, when they, when they announced it, but uh it's kind of sad to see him go. Uh, I know he didn't have the greatest uh, record in the UFC 
Uh, I think his record is 13 and 15 overall. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize. But yeah, Artem Lovov requested to be released from the UFC. And he has been granted his official release. So uh, curious to see where he lands from there. He put out a tweet saying, oh, I uh, want to be calling everything out. Just every other promotion, Bellator 1, Ryzen. Uh, Showtime boxing, like he was—he's just you know the man's want, the man wants to work and he's entitled to work. So Conor McGregor, you know he's a loyal homie. He's sp- he stuck by his friend. He basically said that Artem was the reason why he became so great in the first place. And you know, it'd be interesting to see how that friendship continues. Uh, now that they're both, uh, at least uh, company-wise, they're going to be parting ways. Obviously, they'll still probably be training in the gym and stuff like that, but. Uh, rest in peace, the greatest of all time, Artem Lobov. Um, there was a lot of speculation on what happens now that Connor is suspended and Khabib is suspended. Obviously, Khabib is the one that holds the title. Now, do you strip Khabib? Uh, I can't answer that because we don't know if he's going to attempt to reduce the suspension. Is he going to try it? Because if he reduces his suspension, then he's effectively able to come back at the same time as Connor, which would be what? So people, uh, did, they, did they say April or something like that? That he would be able to come out, uh, come back and fight. Um, I can't, you know, now if he chooses to ride out the suspension and come back towards the end of the year, do they strip him? Now, that's a tricky question. Uh, we're going to tackle that again. Um, we're going to tackle that again in the fan uh, listener questions that were submitted before I decided to, to, to record the podcast this evening. Um, Connor, he holds no belts anymore, so um, he's free to do what he wants. Now, what do you want to see for Connor? Do you want to see Connor, Tony? Like, it, pretty much everybody's chomping at the bit to... Um, Everybody's chomping at the bit to fight Connor. Uh, I, I feel like as a purist, as an MMA purist, he's been in the skid long enough, not for me to hate the guy, but I kind of feel like that mystique is gone. But people, because they were so impacted by Connor's uh, explosion to the, to the top of the UFC pound-for-pound pound rankings, because of what happened with Mayweather, I feel like it's almost like um, I feel like the relationship that some of the Connor diehards, the relationship that some of the Connor diehards have, is something similar to this. And allow me to make a an an interesting comparison. Millennials or people born between nineteen or or anyone basically born between nineteen eighty seven and the year two thousand year 2000 before 9-11 we have like an obsession with like nostalgia as a video gamer for instance like i'm obsessed with video games that are getting remade that are getting remastered you know movies that i saw as a kid they're being remade remastered like we're, we're like we're stuck in the past because these things like that we were fixated to were like so great and I feel like a lot of people that are just like diehard Connor fans, the ones that are like blissfully ignorant of anything else that's going on in MMA, they kind of feel like that because Connor represented something much greater than the sport itself, you know? And um, 
But with that being said, like there's still a lot of hype behind it. So who do you see Connor fighting? You want to see? I, I personally don't. I don't want to see any of the title contenders fight Connor. In my, you know, my honest opinion, I don't think any of the, you know, I don't want to see the Fergusons. I don't want to see the Poiriers. Um, let Connor fight Khabib. Uh, let let Connor fight. Um. Let Connor fight Nate again. Let Connor fight Ally Ally Quinta. See, that's a fight I wanted to see, especially after what uh what Reginald did to uh, Kevin Lee. Um, that's you know that's me being biased. I'm a huge Ally Quinta fan, and if it, if I had to pick somebody to fight Connor, it it would I would be so awesome to see Al get that shot, especially after like that energy that he showed against uh Kevin Lee. Um. Dustin Poirier is not taking the news lightly. Uh, he put out a tweet basically saying like, oh, give me Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor or I want to have my contract renegotiated. You know, uh, he feels that his... Uh, he also put out another, another tweet saying, if you don't respect... Pardon me. If you don't respect my work, then I don't respect you. That's where I'm at right now. I believe that's what the word for word what the quote said. And to be honest, Dustin Poirier has a point. You know, he was targeted to fight Nate Diaz. You know, it was a sign that the company was interested in in having two highly skilled martial artists go against each other. And it, you know, for one reason or another, Dustin Poirier eventually got injured. Um, his injury couldn't have come at a worse time. Uh, not only because it was against a fight like Nate Diaz, but, you know, it kind of waylaid him, you know, like it, it just put him, you know, like it, the storyline didn't fit with all the other drama that was going on. And I think I was talking about this, uh, I forgot who, with who uh, earlier, but it's, it's, it's not fair that we have some fighters that are allowed to have injuries and their storyline is preserved almost. And I'm not saying that it's the UFC doing that. You know, it's kind of like a collective. You know, the fans kind of feel that way. I feel like the MMA purists and the people that really respect mixed martial arts uh, or the people that really kind of watch it, that, that really have a genuine interest in, in the UFC and what's going on, they're the ones that really care for Dustin Poirier getting what he's due uh but i feel like the the other half of or whatever percentage of fans whether casual or people that just kind of tune in from time to time i feel like they're not giving him that credit and I, I i could see why he would put out a tweet like that you know i feel like maybe maybe he feels that he's kind of falling into obscurity and and people aren't giving him the credit you know just because he got injured that they're not really pursuing or the UFC is not pursuing this uh, idea of putting him back in the fight, uh, you know, with 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 the Connor or uh, or Tony Ferguson. I'm I'm hoping that the UFC does right by him. Um, I'm pretty, you know, it was a freak accident what happened with his injury, um, and rightfully so. I mean, does it give him the right to call out the UFC and say, "Hey, renegotiate my contract"? Eh, who am I? You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know what power these fighters have with respects to the individual contracts that they sign with the UFC. Um, but 
hey man, shoot or shoot. And we're going to talk about that later with Henry Cejudo. But, um, you know, like for instance, I feel like Ty, and I spoke about this on the last podcast with, uh, with Jesus and, uh, shout out to Jesus. Uh, I know you're out there, man. And, uh, I look forward to having you on the podcast again. It was a lot of fun, you know, just shooting the breeze before recording and during and after, you know, I'm looking forward to really getting you back on it. And that also would like to, I know I'm going off the rails, but I'd also would like fans to come on i've sent out a couple of messages uh to some of the uh listeners and some of the people that i actively communicate with on twitter you know if you guys are interested in coming on the podcast uh, I, I would love to hear what you guys got to say because uh i'm new at this you know it's a little awkward putting my face out there you know for people to kind of watch me live I, I normally this is the first live episode that i've done with people kind of watching uh, normally i record all audio so the podcast is usually people just listen to it audio not video or watch it over video. But um, let me not get too far off track. So yeah, Dustin Poirier, not happy with, uh, with his current situation. Oh, right. So as I was saying, you look at the situation with Tyron Woodley. I, I guess the best way to compare the situations would be the tumultuous relationship. Although Tyron Woodley is the champion... But he's had a, a known tumultuous relationship with the UFC and Dana White about how he's being marketed, or, you know, like he, about his the, his presence in the UFC. And he's openly criticized um, his detractors. Let me not name names. He's just he's openly criticized his detractors for not getting behind him and appreciating the skill. And I'll be the first to say that. Yes, he's had a couple of funky fights, but you really got to respect the man. You got to respect his hustle. Woodley is the champion for a reason. Whether I like the style of his fight, you got to respect that man has gone against straight killers, okay? There until, yeah, you could argue that he was inexperienced going up to the fight and he had no idea, but... Again, like I mentioned with Brian Ortega and why I ha I was so shocked and I had picked actually the Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway fight as my fight of the year uh, in the last episode was that you don't know when how juiced up a, a like a hot streak can get you. You know what I'm saying? A hot Yeah, these guys may have been a little over, you know, over their their head, but um you don't know, like maybe a fighter gets hot and, and, and you look at them and, and they get an instant boost to the top because they're freaking killing people left and right. Okay. Brian Ortega took out a very formidable Cub Swanson and Frankie Edgar, who I was convinced, man, that Frankie Edgar was going to get a title shot. And, and both him and Cub Swanson were equally up there ready for a title shot. And they were both derailed by uh, Brian Ortega. Everybody was behind. Oh, well, a lot of people were behind it. You know, it just so happened that, you know, and then Max Holloway being in the condition that he was in, he, uh, it, you know, like the storyline was kind of like, okay, is Max Holloway going to rebound from that scary uh, water poisoning or weight cut or concussion, whatever people were speculating it was, you know, and uh, just turned out that Max Holloway is, he stays blessed, you know. Um, I apologize, but I am jumping around. But yeah, Woodley. Uh, Woodley versus Till. You know, Till was the hot shit. You know, he he was he was the hottest. You know, he was the, the coolest thing since sliced bread. And 
he ended up getting put away by Tyron Woodley. But, you know, we, you don't know until these fighters step in there. You know, I know the statistic of these fighters, the trend. I'm not going to say the statistic because I don't have an actual statistic, uh, statistic. But the trend of fighters that one would perceive is somewhat undeveloped is showing that they lose when it comes to the big stage. Look at uh, Derek Lewis was a beast, but he clearly wasn't ready for that title fight, and it showed. Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic, a fighter, you know, everybody was raving about the, the, the hype train that was Francis Ngannou, and Stipe made him look less than human. You look at Darren Till going up against Tyron Woodley, somebody that was riding a hot streak going into that fight, and Tyron Woodley, you know, made him look less than human. You look at Brian Ortega that was electrifying in his performance and 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 i think what what gave brian ortega that extra boon was that we love cub swanson and we love frankie edgar because they are journeymen of the sport one could say gatekeeper i don't like that term especially with people like frankie edgar even though realistically that's kind of the, the path that he's gone through but you know like brian ortega this guy who was like super humble you know, came out there and he freaking clean house. And then, you know, like he's right at the top, but then he doesn't show up against, you know, Max Holloway. Um, but yeah, Woodley. You know, Tyron Woodley has known, he's known for having his beef with the UFC. But when it's time to fight, you can tell that Tyron Woodley's demeanor uh, and his vitriol that he has for the MMA gods and the people that control his career, you can kind of tell that it's subdued. You know, when Tyron Woodley's not fighting, you know, a lot of people are judging him. You know, even Dana White has come out sitting there putting him on blast and stuff like that. And, you know, they engage in that little bit of back and forth. But you know that when Tyron is given a fight that he accepts, he kind of mellows out. And he's just like, you know what? I ain't worried about all the BS that goes on outside of the, you know, what goes on outside of the octagon? You know, I'm a, I'm here to fight, and right now Kamara Usman is the next challenge, the, the next one up, and I got to worry about him, and I'm gonna go take care of him, and then and then whatever comes afterwards comes afterwards, you know, and I'm with that respect is kind of like I hope Dustin Poirier is that same way. I know Dustin Poirier doesn't have an official match, and I'm I'm hoping that this like frustration that he has is just him really eager to get in there and just handle his business it's coming off a little weird because you know he's making all these demands and each to each his own you know what i'm saying we all handle our stresses different you know he's shooting his shot with dana and saying that he wants his contract renegotiated if he can't get either or of those big fights uh we'll see how it goes um but shout out to dustin poirier i do look forward to seeing him uh come back in the octagon as soon as humanly possible. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm so unorganized today, and I really apologize that I'm jumping all over the place, but uh, the notes that I took for the podcast today, I was doing at work, so I have them all on my phone, and I kind of read on my phone, like which is what took me so long to start the podcast. I ended up like kind of like half my notes are on the computer and the other half are on the phone, so you'll probably see me kind of do this from time to time to kind of gather my bearings as we uh as we go on but again 
thank you guys for coming i appreciate it and if you guys really do enjoy something like this i would love to do it once a week and i would love to have a guest i would like to have that you know this podcast is for fans i don't care how casual you are if you really are if you're sincerely a connor fanboy or a john jones fanboy you f you feel like you want to debate it I'm, I'm more than happy to you know what i'm saying because that's at the end of the day like we're all fight fans you know what i'm saying as long as we're not taking it out on the street and stuff like that you know let's just let's uh let's you know let's talk about it uh da, 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 da. that being said i did mention <sighs> mr pico graham himself johnny bones jones who also uh had judgment uh passed unto him uh, at this uh, during the same time as uh, Khabib and Connor, and the ruling on the field is that John Jones will be granted a one fight license in order to compete in order to compete uh, against Anthony Smith in Las Vegas, despite his. And I'm going to say continued uh, pulsing effect of scandal. I mean, it's just, that's basically what it is, man. What, what what do we really say? I said it on the last podcast. Being a John Jones fan is extremely exhausting because even the people that defend John Jones true and true are having a tough time waking up in the morning knowing that at any given time they're going to go on Twitter they're going to go on their favorite MMA website or blog and they're going to read that John Jones potentially uh, you know there was another adverse finding uh, they're no longer calling John Jones tests uh, failures uh, it's clear that the athletics commissions and USADA are now just referring to John Jones and the picograms as abnormalities in his system. Uh, I joke about it a lot on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to flat out call him a cheater. You know, I, I don't, I care for John Jones, the fighter. I don't care for John Jones, the human being outside the octagon, but obviously, and you know, like, we have no choice but to to continue listening to this saga. It's it's just getting old and it's getting tired. Uh, Gustafson's team basically said, you know, it's basically like he's got a a, a use a exemption uh, to to basically have this shit in his system. You know, at one point he may have taken the steroid or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's just like it's so the facts surrounding the case are it's too easy to poke at John Jones. You know the rampant cocaine use the hitting the pregnant lady uh the smoking weed the drinking you know it's like his toxic behavior uh it's just too easy and now that he tested positive for the terrinabol um and the pulsing effect it's like it's like even when the chance is there for us to just kind of move on and okay what happened what ha it's in the past because of this now abnormality in the drug testing surrounding John Jones, we're gonna we're gonna be forced to read about it over and over and over. And I just wish 
that we didn't have to. You know, and that's a sentiment that all of us fans have uh, with respects to John Jones. But uh, long story short, it's too late because I already gave you the long story. John Jones will be fighting Anthony Smith as planned. Um, one interesting thing that came out of that hearing was that the Nevada Athletic State Commission took exception to uh, they took exception to Conor McGregor's antics uh, leading up to the fight and obviously for those of you guys who didn't pay attention to the pre-fight scrum and all the things leading up to the fight it was so cringeworthy I, I was actually near Times Square when they had the press conference and I noticed that in Times Square they must have known that this was going to be so toxic that they muted the giant screen in Times Square so nobody could hear and boy was that like the smartest thing that anybody's ever done because that press conference had me like oh my god I couldn't believe it I could not believe what I was hearing you know Conor McGregor was straight bashing his fool's family bashing Khabib his father this is all this political shit that was like I mean yo if we were at a bar and like I was sitting next to them too speaking like I was sitting next to Connor speak to Khabib like that like I'd have fucking tapped him on the shoulder I'd be like yo dude what the f you know like chill out you know what I'm saying like it was so in excess anyways long story short uh the commission had taken exception to that whole pre-fight lead up and some words were said to the effect of that uh, they wish to start holding fighters accountable for things that are said uh, in the quest to promote a fight. And as much as I grossly detest everything that led up to Khabib versus Connor, the, the precedent that it would set the precedent that it would set for all fighters, for all athletes, not just the MMA fighters, but the precedent that this could set in terms of what the athletic commissions can do would be, I mean, this even has implications outside, like I said, it has implications outside of uh, mixed martial arts and boxing. This has implications with football, basketball, baseball. Like if if the commission were to get away by censoring, uh, by censoring what an athlete says or disciplining, I mean, because we already see it now. You look at what happened with uh, people like Colin Kaepernick, and that that's like in the league. Now, if you allow the athletic commissions to discipline or take action against fighters for their pre-fight rhetoric it's it's just not good it's it's really going to hurt the product as a whole uh despite what i feel about the connor 
Khabib fiasco, it sold tickets. Okay, I believe that the Conor Khabib fight was one of the, if not the most watched event for the UFC in quite some time, if not all time. Uh, the, the, uh, I don't have the numbers, and I apologize for not having it up. Like I said, I'm a little unorganized today. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, the economic, and, and I think, you know, it's coincidental that the, it's coincidental that the hearing happened this week and not even a couple of days prior, somebody, I'm not sure if it was the UFC or Nevada or somebody, they released like a chart that showed the overall economic impact that that fight had in Las Vegas. And it was like, monumental like the amount of money that that particular event brought in that for for the state of uh nevada um so yeah I, I highly doubt the commission is saying that but i think unless something really happens like somebody straight up gets shot or stabbed or something like that they're not going to jump in uh, because they would have did it when mike tyson was sitting there telling people that he was going to rape them you know what i'm saying you know, and he was telling that to civilians. You know what I'm saying? He was telling that to his opponents. He was he was just, just saying that he was going to eat people and, and, and murder them and kill them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was that's what sells the sport, especially mixed martial arts. So um, I wouldn't sweat it, but I did have to give my two cents into, um, about it. All right, so that kind of wraps up. What are we, 30 minutes in? This might be a this podcast might be a little shorter. Normally the podcasts that I record tend to be uh actually no. Podcasts might run about normal time because uh I'm just looking at my notes here after the whole UFC debacle, Athletic State Commission debacle. Um I kind of jumped in I was going to jump into Bellator, which uh they had their event Bader versus Bader, the main event. Um I guess we'll tackle that because they're the first two names that I said. It was kind of, I'm not going to say uneventful. I'm going to say explosive. Okay. Uh, you could sit there and say that Fedor's washed up, that, you know, he's on his, you know, he's already been on his way out for some time, but, uh, you know, he also lost to Matt Mitrione, uh, which Matt Mitrione is using that storyline to. Uh, promote his next fight. Uh, he's fighting that other Russian dude. Well, let me see here if they have it. Yeah, Mitch, uh, Mitrion versus Baritanov. And that fool won his last fight, if I remember correctly when I saw it. Um, But yeah, Ryan Bader. Jeez. Let's give the man... Let's give the man what he's due. You know what I'm saying? The man went in there and straight cleaned house he literally went through an entire heavyweight tournament without taking any damage whatsoever and you could talk all the shit you want um about ryan bader and his ufc history let's not forget and this has been stated Plenty of times, not by myself, but by other MMA pundits. Ryan Bader was like seven and one or eight or eight and one before he left the UFC. So that storyline of 
oh, well, Ryan Bader couldn't find success in the UFC, so he jumped ship. That's a tired storyline. You know what I'm saying? You're... Give me one second. I'm a little parched. This podcast is totally not sponsored by Sunny D. Um, it's a tired storyline. And I tweeted this out as well. This notion that, and, you know, to each his own, okay? Uh, and I'm pretty sure by me saying this, I'm going to receive some sort of tweet about how they feel, people might feel that I'm wrong about this. It's blood sport, okay? This is blood sport. Boxing, mixed martial arts. Even the combat jujitsu tournaments, even the the BJJ tournaments, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is blood sport. People bleed. People train their asses off to fight in a cage, you know? And two people walk in, and one person has to walk out on top. And although Bellator doesn't have five-minute rounds, um, you know... That's not a reason in itself to say that Bellator is any less respectable as an MMA organization. Yeah, their promoting might be a little different. Yeah, it might seem prideish, you know, or K1 Grand Prix, you know, like or, or Strike Force. Uh, I want to say pride. I meant to say Strike Force. Uh, you know, it might seem a little unique in the way they present their product, but at the end of the day, you're seeing high-level fights, okay? You're seeing Ryan Bader, who kind of rode off, not really in the worst terms from the UFC. He jumped into Bellator, signed a pretty damn good contract. And let me tell you, if it's another thing to give Ryan Bader uh, credit, is that he... His contract? If you don't, have this man fight three times a year you got oh thank you for the follow i apologize i don't have that beep was uh somebody shooting me a follower or a host or something like that i don't have my twitch chat open i can't see so you might hear you might hear that from time to time i apologize those of you guys watching on periscope i'm also streaming it on twitch and that's my twitch alert um that that just sounded off uh i'll go back and i will thank that person individually but um ryan bader in his contract, if he doesn't fight three times a year, they got to pay him, I think, uh, like show money. You know, just to go to show you, this guy signed a contract in which he wants to freaking fight. And if you don't fight, you're you're essentially paying him not to fight, you know. So um, that one caught me off guard. I got to disable my alerts. Hold on one second. <laughs> That's going to have me laughing the whole time. I'll bring that up later. There we go. So Ryan Bader's been fighting three times a year, you know, and he's been busting ass since he's gotten into Bellator and he's done nothing but perform at the highest level. And it couldn't have gone any better for Ryan Bader in that he went through the entire heavyweight, uh, Grand, he went through the entire heavyweight Grand Prix and didn't suffer even the slightest scratch. So shout out to Ryan Bader. Um, if we 
go to the dark side of the moon, unfortunately, one of the one of the stories that didn't go so well was the highly touted uh, Aaron Pico fight against Henry Corrales. Uh, the H Henry Corrales came out with the. I mean, first of all, the people that are saying that Aaron Pico is it an inexperienced mistake? I don't train mixed martial arts, so I'm not going to be the first one to tell you that uh, that it was a careless mistake that he had. If it's one thing that I could say, that stand and bang that he did, that little those those like that dirty boxing that we were looking at just before he got knocked out. That's probably the only thing I really wouldn't have seen. And I think Big John said it as well. You know, like he doesn't need to finish the fight. And it was kind of weird because like he had a lot of energy when he knocked down Henry Corrales, but it almost seemed like, I'm not sure if it was like, it was an adrenaline dump because once he, once Henry Corrales got back up and they started training, uh, trading, it almost seemed like it was, it, it was just weird. You know, like it, that, that technique that I normally see from fighters perform when they're getting ready to go finish a fight, Aaron Pico didn't have it there at that moment. And he ended up, uh, you know, Henry Corrales ended up getting back up. They had that dirty boxing. And then, you know, boom, Aaron Pico gets just, just, he gets killed. I mean, he gets straight killed. And it, it just, I was like, oh man, not my boy. You know what I'm saying? Like I was really rooting for him. Uh, but again, this is a trend of these up-and-coming fighters who have a lot of hype behind them and something happens and whether it's skill-wise experience mental it just it, it freaking falls apart you know it falls apart and it it, it doesn't come to you know they're they're what they think was going to happen doesn't happen and, and and you know the fight ends up going the other way and shout out to henry corrales because you know that gives him some notoriety. I apologize. I had some uh, little sleepies in my eye. I'm very tired. I was at work all day today. Um, this doesn't take away... You know, like, thankfully, Aaron Pico... He seems like a genuinely interesting fighter to follow. Doesn't really, really rabble-rouse too much. Doesn't... You know, he's not out there throwing dollies at buses. So, like, it's a storyline that... I'm basically taking this fight as a... A harsh lesson and the kid's like 22 or 24 years old so we're gonna see him again i don't like him getting knocked out like that obviously freaking brain trauma you know it's, it's a freaking my thing with brain trauma and i'll refer to this a lot anytime i see somebody get their freaking block knocked off like what happened with aaron pico uh there was a boxer uh puerto rican boxer name I, I think his name is Hector Pichard and the kid was like an up-and-coming star and uh, he suffered a uh, brain hemorrhage uh, as a result of a, one of his boxing fights and um, you know he's kind of in a vegetative state you know what I'm saying so when I, I like I get really nervous when I see these young kids I'm not going to call him a kid. He's a man. He's a grown-ass man, okay? Once you pass 18, you're a grown-ass man. Just don't like seeing that kind of knockout, you know? But this is a harsh lesson, and that's Bloodsport. If you watch Bloodsport, you have to accept that sometimes a fighter that you really want to win is going to get 
destroyed. There's a chance that he could get destroyed, and it might be the most gruesome knockout you've ever seen. Um, not saying that Aaron Picos was the most gruesome, but you know, that's the world that we live in. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on with them. You know, I, I don't think this is going to do too much to to hurt Aaron Pico. I think he just grows. I think he matures and we see him again and he starts going on a... Now, I'm not going to say he's going to go on a tear, but I, I think he's going to find plenty of success in um in his return. So, um, shout out to Bellator. One of the news articles that I read, we're jumping around now. We're actually getting off of MMA and this is the part where I might lose some people. But the only reason why I'm bringing it up because I'm interested in you guys, the listeners' opinion on its effect on the MMA, like its its effect for like the social. I'm just having trouble describing it, but anyways, let me just bring it up. Ronda Rousey. It was brought to. I'm going to say it's brought to my attention, but it's been brought to our attention that there's a chance that she might be leaving the WWE after WrestleMania. And some people were speculating, you know, does she come back to mixed martial arts? Does she settle down with Travis? Well, she's already settled down with Travis Brown, but does she go home? Does she start a family? You know, that's something that she's... uh, she's speculated well she's she's mentioned in the past um or does she just take a brief hiatus from the wwe and work on her craft um i think she'll probably take a break i think she'll probably take a break from mix uh she's definitely not come back to the mixed martial arts let's just let's shoot that notion down ronda rousey no reason to come back to mma Okay, I don't care what you guys think about her impact on mixed martial arts. The reality of it is that despite her shortcomings as an individual human being and her attitude and the way she handled her departure from the UFC or her losses that led up to her departure, she had a very major impact on the UFC and women's mixed martial arts as a whole. Uh, I know... Obviously, that does. I'm not saying that that makes her the greatest fighter of all time. Uh, I have my own personal picks, which I will discuss with you guys on Twitter. I won't go on camera and let you guys butcher me over that. You know, I respect uh, many of the female fighters that are out there today. So uh, I don't think she needs to come back. Her impact, like she can no longer, I mean, unless she really has some sort of twisted drive to come back and put the pain on the women in the UFC, uh, I don't see that happening. I see her either just taking a freaking break from the WWE, uh, not riding off into the sunset, just taking a break, maybe kind of just sharpening her skills, maybe working on her delivery. Uh, It is well stated that Ronda's in-ring... Uh, you know, her in-ring demeanor, her ability to cut a promo, not the greatest. I don't watch wrestling, but I do follow her because, you know, I respected her. I've watched all her fights. I remember 
her first fight against Liz Carmouche, the fight that almost destroyed Ronda Rousey before she could have ever become. Because Liz Carmouche in that first fight almost took Ronda out, almost sub, you know, uh, submitted Ronda Rousey with the rear naked choke. And if Ronda Rousey wasn't able to shake her off, there was a legitimate chance, in my humble opinion, that Liz Carmouche would be the female that we're talking about today and not Ronda Rousey. Or it would have led to some other female taking the reins for being the most legendary female badass fighter. Um, anywho, yeah, Ronda takes time off. Ronda works on her craft. WWE, seems like she seems to enjoy it there. Uh, in recent events... She cut it. She tried cutting a promo this this past week or something like that uh, with Becky Lynch, uh, the man, Becky Lynch. Uh, I, I'm kind of digging like her whole Irish swagger, you know, and how she's kind of like just, you know, pretty badass, you know. And for what it's worth, I was a wrestling fan up until 2005. So uh, please don't crucify me. And yeah, wrestling's fake. I respect the athleticism. Okay. Uh, I've watched wrestling long enough to know that you're you are just as much at risk of concussions and damages. Uh, you're basically looking at jacked up athletes performing very um, difficult maneuvers. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is that yeah, the story scripted. Okay, so what? The story scripted. So 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 was the Jersey Shore. You guys watched it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, so hopefully she comes back to the WWE and she comes back with a vengeance and, and like, you know, you, you maybe play into that whole story of like, you know, when she comes back, like, oh, you must've forgot about me, you know, come in there and just start, you know, banging on everybody again. Uh, da, 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 da. uh, this is kind of old, obviously Nikki Bella, Henry Cejudo, shoot or shoot, uh, Wayne, was it Wayne Gretzky that said you miss 100% of the shots you don't ch you, you don't take and uh, Henry Cejudo definitely shot his shot <laughs> I almost said shot his load uh, he, sh he shot his shot and you know he got a little bit of traction with Nikki Bella the, for those of you guys speculating is that going to lead to anything eh, you know it'll it'll probably hurt his UFC credibility a little bit people kind of you know, you know, there's some people that are like, oh, you know, UFC fighters mingling with the WWE aspect. Come on. We got to just people just trying to go out there and make money. You know what I'm saying? Like just because they don't behave the way that you want them to behave. Now, I'm not saying go out there and hit pregnant women in your car. OK, that's not a good storyline. And if you want to go out there and have a. Uh, what, what do they call the matches now? I don't know. I'm going to say something old school, like no holds barred match. You know, that's that's an old. Uh, matchup in the WWE. Uh, you know, if they want to go out there and have their own no-holds-barred match or have a tables, ladders, chair match, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, it's a physically intense sport, and it's very physically demanding, which is why you see a lot of these wrestlers as they continue to go on with their careers. If they want to stay in the wrestling business, they have to stay fit. You know, that King Kong Bundy, that Vader, that Yokozuna, that physique is very difficult to maintain uh for a long career so uh but anyways going back to henry suhudo and nikki bella uh yeah it'd be pretty interesting for those of you guys who watch the wwe i definitely foresee that being like a little funny storyline that they you know like a little gimmick that they continue to play on uh daniel bryan even 
I think what is he like? He's related to Nikki Bella. He's I think it's uh like a brother-in-law or something like that. I think. I, I forgive me. Like I said, my WWE is like knowledge is next to non-existent. The last WWE I, event I saw slash went to was SummerSlam in 2005. Of that was Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan, and let me tell you that match was terrible. My favorite match of that pay-per-view wasn't even on pay-per-view it was uh for those of you guys who have ever been to a live wrestling event before they do the live taping they have a fight that goes on before the recording starts and uh the the, the fight that was slated was chris benoit versus i forgot the guy's name long story short chris benoit put the guy in a cripple cross face within the first like 10 seconds and the crowd collectively shit their pants including myself because i had never been to a pay-per-view live i had been to raw live but the raw fights the warm-up fights that they did on raw and smackdown uh they were like you know the brooklyn brawler versus i don't know somebody that you really could care oh it was like taz versus the brooklyn brawler you know it was like really not like a marquee you know but this one they had chris benoit come out out of freaking nowhere and, and break this guy's neck chris benoit was like fucking the hot shit back in the day before he passed away god rest his soul and his family it was terrible what he did but uh you know was a good wrestler and it's a shame what happened to him um geez where did i go with that oh yeah i was just proving to you guys how little or how long it's been since i last saw the wwe where are we at now uh okay so that kind of wraps up all the notes that i had for the podcast so this is the first time that we're doing this, so please, I would like to thank all of the people that submitted their fight questions. I literally think I'm only missing one, and I'm going to include it, but I didn't make a slide for it. So uh, with that being said, thank you so much again for submitting your questions this week, and we're going to jump on to the listener questions. So. Listener question number one comes from Cole Henry at the Scope MMA. Uh, Gary Tonin is always interesting. How much success do you think he'll have in MMA? Actually, this is interesting. Uh, I like this question because uh, these kind of questions kind of make me want to research other promotions more than what I already see. Uh, Gary Tonin, I was familiar with him. Uh, from the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu tournaments. Uh, unbeknownst to many, the legend that is Gary Tonin is now competing in uh, one, the same promotion as our beloved Demetrius Johnson, uh, Eddie Alvarez. Um, and he has a 3-0 record. He's got two submissions and one knockout. So... Uh, I pulled up the list of fighters in his division. I think he fights at featherweight. And if you look at some of, you know, the champion, Martin Martin Wen, uh, Vietnamese, uh, nickname the C2 Asian, uh, he's 8-3 and three at one, in one. And you have a lot of people that, that, that are, you know, you have uh, Tetsuya Yamada. You have some people that are like really, have really been in there. But they're new to they're fairly new to one. So uh Gary Tonin is three and oh. There is nothing uh, you know, to answer your question, there is nothing that 
No, Crystalia. Sorry, you can see what I'm looking at. Um, you can you can say that if Gary Tonin wins, uh, wins his next two or three fights, uh, I would say two. I would definitely say two fights. If he wins his next two fights, you could easily see him competing. You know, I, I could easily see him competing uh, against uh, whoever the champion may be or may not be at that time. Right now, it's Martin Wen. Um, but yeah, shout out to Gary Tonin because now I think that with Eddie Alvarez, you know, fighters like Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson um, coming over, it's going to be, you know, we have, I mean, Brandon Vera is a champion at 265 at heavyweight. Uh, you know, like you have some notable UFC stars that are now joining. Sage Northcutt is also joining. You know, this is going to be super awesome to see um, to see what Gary Tonin can do. And it's, 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 it's like I said, it's win two more fights almost positive he's going to get a, a title shot you know especially with that collective like ufc takeover hype that 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 i foresee these guys having uh definitely realistic so yeah i hope i answered your question even though i know for a fact that i gave you my answer on twitter but you know you were the first person to shoot me a question and i wanted everybody to get a chance so also uh shoot these guys a follow you know what i'm saying uh they did me the favor. I really had no Twitter following. And uh, they all kind of banded together to bring me uh, bring me into a mixed martial arts community in Twitter. And it's a, it's a rowdy bunch. Everybody has opinions, and some of them may not be politically correct. But if you're looking to participate in a discussion that literally it's like a 24-hour-a-day discussion about mixed martial arts... I would definitely suggest like shoot whoever hands me these fan questions. These, I'm not going to call them fans. They're just listeners and they're no different than me. Uh, I'm a fan. Shoot them a follow. So for those of you guys looking, uh, follow Cole Henry at the scope MMA. Uh, I believe he also has his own podcast as well. And if you shoot over to his page, you can get uh, listen to, uh, you can listen to his podcast as well. Uh, listener question. Numero dos, it comes from the Duchess of MMA at Lady MMA 80. Uh, please ask why fighters respond to negative posts way more than the positive ones. Fair question. Um, I feel like this is something that fighters do. This is something that fighters do and some MMA writers do. <coughs> Luke Thomas. Um, first of all, I'm not even going to... I'll bash Luke Thomas later. Ugh, I don't even want to bash him. See, I'm like... I, like my, my conscience is like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I don't... I just, I'm a really big fan of Luke Thomas. Uh, but I'll, I'll briefly explain why. I think I did in the last episode, so maybe I don't have to for those of you guys who didn't get a chance to listen. Anyways, um, why do fighters respond to negative posts? You know, like, think about it this way. They're training so much. They're doing jujitsu. They're doing wrestling. Maybe they suck at wrestling and they're, they got to 
work on their wrestling for their next fight. Maybe they're not good at striking and they're getting punched in the head during training. You know what I'm saying? Like these athletes, they're they're literally causing damage to their bodies, even in training. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard. Listen, even for me, like I live stream video games and uh, I used to be sponsored by a mobile game company called Gameloft. Uh, and I used to host esports tournaments uh, for, for, for some mobile games. And I used to be a part of the production team with respect to other esports, uh, uh, community esports events uh, for those of you guys who play video games. And even in the ones that like I wasn't directly doing color commentary for, and I was just kind of behind the scenes doing uh, behind the scenes production work, I would see people write like negative things. And, and these people, you know, like I'm not a fighter. Like I said, my, my individual experiences with uh, tech stuff, you know, I'm a podcaster, I live stream, I play video games, you know what I'm saying? But, and I'm even sure like this podcast, you know what I'm saying? I, I probably said something already that's not going to really sit well with someone. Now, there's people that are respectful. They say, hey, listen, man, with all due respect, I didn't like what you said, or they choose to engage in the conversation. And then there's other people that will literally say things like this 4chan culture. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with 4chan, it was like, that is like the dark web, okay? Reddit is like borderline dark web with the things that people say. You know, people come out with the most insensitive things. I remember like live streaming a tournament, right? And I was I was responsible for controlling the camera, right? And I was, for those of you guys who like maybe see a video game like League of Legends or Fortnite even, and you'll see like these professional tournaments that they have, there's somebody in the back controlling the camera. Occasionally the person would make a mistake. In this particular incident, I made a mistake controlling the camera. And uh, I like, I, I don't know, I just like, I, I panned out or something. And I did something weird with the camera that everybody that was watching the tournament could see. It happens in production when you're doing TV. And I was reading, you know, I made the mistake and I had the chat, the chat room, and people could actively interact with the, the live stream. And people were just like, oh, good job, cameraman. You're retarded, cameraman. Who hired this guy? Mind you, my overall body of work was much better than that slight mistake. You know what I'm saying? And these, imagine me doing that. I'm just a freaking cameraman. Imagine these fighters going out there and putting their lives on the line even in training you know uh even in training and and it's 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 so intense you understand like you you you, you got to put yourself in the mindset of a killer you know what i'm saying and it's very hard for some people to turn it off and you know like after a fight or before a fight they you know let me hop on twitter to go let me let me go post a meme on twitter and then you just like they always tell you they always tell you don't read the comments don't read the comments and then they read the freaking comments and it's something like for instance like Daniel Cormier can you imagine that man has a family and uh, I've I've stated this for the record I am a number 1 Daniel Cormier fan okay Daniel Cormier to me is my personal choice for the greatest of, of all time uh, for his whole body of work. It just so happened that the one blemish is John Jones, okay? But for instance, when when freaking DC got knocked out and he cried, like that freaking 
that touched me you know what i'm saying like and he cried and he's like you know i guess he's the better man and granted yeah he was slightly you know he may have been concussed you know, he was definitely concussed all right the guy was freaking crying okay and he, he basically said you know he beat me twice so he's the better man you know what i'm saying like that like you could see all that emotion just freaking pouring out you know what i'm saying and for me that hurt to watch like damn the guy that i considered the goat just got his freaking head kicked in by somebody that fucking runs pregnant women over in cars you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, that's not the storyline that I wanted, damn it. And I called my friend. And uh, no doubt he's going to hear this podcast. And he's going to now know my how I felt about the way he reacted towards me. And I'm not DC by any small chance. But I was really offended when he picked up the phone and, like, casually just was just like, yeah, fool. Fucking Daniel Cormier just got his fucking head knocked off. Yo, it's just fucking John Jones, the best, yo. You know? And I'm like, maybe I'm too sensitive. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I felt. You know what I'm saying? Imagine, now imagine if DC were me and I called my homie and he was just like, damn, yo, you got knocked the fuck out, bro. Fucking suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's not cool. It's really not freaking cool. And, uh, and then the fighter decides to say, hey, man, you ain't shit, you know? And then the fighter will respond to that. And not everybody's Daniel Cormier. Uh, not everybody's Daniel Cormier. Not everybody's the greatest of all time. Not every, you know, But these fighters, they do put their lives on the line. And it's very offensive. And I implore the MMA community. It's one thing to make a joke. And I'm not... Sometimes maybe fi I see fighters get... They block people not even for making a joke. And sometimes the joke might not even be that serious, but you know, these people like I'm not I'm not defending the fighters hundred percent because sometimes I'd be like, damn, the fighter really this person really blocked that person because of that. You know, like this person really put that tweet out talking crap. You know, like But that's what they do. That's their life. And for them it's it's potentially life and death. You know what I'm saying? Like they they train to go kill people essentially do as much inflict as much violence uh as they can while they're locked in that in that ring so i hope i answered that question and for those of you guys who wanted to know who sent that question again fuck give her a follow duchess of mma at lady mma 80 uh i want to thank you again and she promised me miss i'm talking to you you promised me that you'd give me more questions. I was going to ask you for more, but we're I'm pretty happy the podcast went over an hour or so. Uh, well, with that being said, we're going to move on to the third question. This was a two-part question. I kind of condensed it into one. Uh, the third question comes from Minerva. Uh, I don't have her Twitter handle there. I apologize because she has a unicorn flower heart gymnast person boxing glove lady dancing in a red dress yoga lipstick thing blocking her twitter handle uh but minerva you can follow her and her questions are uh how about your thoughts on controlling what fighters are allowed to say a la mcgregor versus Nurmagomedov? should the ufc do more and the second question was should the ufc do more to promote their fighters and if so to what extent so 
I did already answer the first part of that question uh, regarding the Nevada State Athletic Commission. I do feel that it's something that we shouldn't take too serious. I think they're saying that because if somebody were to get like seriously hurt, like let's say if a riot broke out, I'm talking about like old school WWE, like wrestling, WCW. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a very interesting period of time in wrestling where if the fans did not like, this happened more in WCW than WWE, if the fans didn't like the way the show ended, they would literally throw every damn thing into the ring. I'm talking about cups, food, burgers, fries, chicken, steak, anything. They would just like literally trash the ring. You know what I'm saying? Now, if something like that were to happen to the UFC, uh, I would suggest that the... Uh, I doubt that the punishment would be as a result of what was said. More, they would just kind of remind you that what you said was really not cool but they would judge you by the severity of the collateral damage that is a result of whatever happens you know what i'm saying like you could talk all the shit but if nothing happens then nobody to punish you know what i'm saying now if you talk shit khabib jumps in to the crowd somebody picks up a chair hits khabib and starts swinging at everybody in the crowd that is something that you punish them for. But again, I'm not going to say that the punishment would be because I'm not, I don't think they're going to, they'll probably increase it, but I think their ability to increase the punishment based off of what was said prior to the fight happening will have little impact with the overall suspension. Like they'll probably like, they'll probably sprinkle a little bit, you know, salt, excuse me. They'll, you know, sprinkle a little bit on extra, uh, maybe add a couple extra thousand dollars. Fine. Maybe add a, a month or two just because of what was said, but they won't be able to, they, I doubt that they're going to step in and judge somebody uh, or prosecute someone because of what they said prior to a fight going down. That's Bloodsport. Uh, should the UFC, uh, the second part of the question was, should the UFC do more to promote all fighters? And if so, to what extent? Bear me one second. I'm sorry. I apologize. You guys had to hear me uh, drink that juice. Uh, da -da. So, should the UFC do more to promote their fighters? This is like an ethics question, kind of. The My answer is, I'm not a part of the UFC PR machine. Would I like to see more promotion for other fighters? Yes. But I can kind of see why the UFC behaves the way they do. And I won't say the UFC as a whole. Maybe Dana White and the, the matchmaker. I won't say the matchmakers because they're not the one that handle promotion. But the Dana White and the UFC promotional team, like the promotional brass. Would I like to see them promote fighters more? Absolutely. I feel like they have enough smart people that are knowledgeable about the sport, even more than me, even more than you, even more than all the MMA fans out there, that they could paint individual storylines for each and every one of these fighters. The issue being is now, once the UFC puts that promotional power behind a fighter, like, 
now you kind of have to stick with it. Now the company's officially backing the fighter, you know, and now like it, it puts more, it basically takes out, and I may be wrong about this, but I feel like it by, by the UFC going out and saying that this is as a, you know, like remember those old promos and all those memes that they used to come out with when Joe, they used to say that Joe Rogan had no idea. It'd be like a meme, like uh, it'll be a picture of Joe Rogan like this. And it would, the top caption would say, uh, doesn't know anything about fighter. And then the bottom caption would say, thinks it's going to be the greatest fight of all time. Now, if they did that for every fighter, every fighter would have like an uneven negotiating advantage. You know what I'm saying? Like they could be like, oh, but you said this, you know what I'm saying? Like, and the UFC right now is in a weird state where they have so much talent. They're like almost overloaded with fighters. Um, Like it, it's just, there's too many varying storylines going on right now. You have a lot of things like, you know, the UFC would love to see people stick to their weight classes. This double champ thing is getting very tired. Uh, you have people jumping up and down weight classes left and right. You have divisions that literally have like one or two fighter in it, <coughs> Cyborg uh, and her division. You know, you have you have fighters like Michael Chiesa, uh, Chiesa, I forgot. I don't apologize if I don't say his name right. You have him jumping up and down. Uh, he just jumped up to to welterweight. Uh, you had like it's just too many weird storylines. Now you got people suspended. You know, like you want to promote them, but then they're liable to fuck up. You know what I'm saying? They're liable to get caught with steroids. There, there's too much liability for the UFC PR team to assume. Like back then, when the UFC was still breaking into the the big leagues. You had a lot of journey, like you had a lot of the, the mentality of the fighters as well. The fighters, I'm not going to say that they didn't care about their money, but you got a lot. You had a lot of fighters that really just wanted to get in there and just throw down and like that's it. That's just a lifestyle, yo. Just bleed, you know. And and that that simple train of thought was enough for the UFC to be like, okay, we could put these like crazy promos, like yeah, this fight is going to be the greatest fight of all time against the, you know, like it was easy. But now as the fighter has become smarter. Uh, a lot of fighters invest their attention and time outside of the UFC. The UFC doesn't really feel the need to market them. It's like, okay, the UFC now is just a platform and the fighters now really take control of what they say. As you can see, it's not working out so well for people like Colby Covington, who has went so far down the rabbit hole. Do I really need to say more? Look at what he's going through right now. So... You know, this is why the UFC doesn't promote more than what they do is because the fighters, they really, they're smarter and they're doing their own PR and they're marketing themselves. They're, they're going out there and marketing. You see the Instagram, you see, you see some of the female fighters, you know, posting uh, very attractive photos. You see some of the men, like everybody, you know, like everybody has their own individual swag, you know, so could they use an extra push from the UFC? Sure, but it's a uh, it's a slippery slope. That's all I'm saying. Um, I hope I answered your question. And for those of you guys who are wondering who sent it, again, Minerva. Uh, I apologize again. I can't pull up her Twitter handle, but give her a follow. Uh, she's a part. Of, everybody that sent me questions are uh, is a part of the MMA community. So, our next question, question number four, is from G from State Farm. Uh, I'll be the first to say she is a firecracker and uh, 
I want to thank her for specifically giving me a hand and introducing me to a lot of the people uh, in the various the Twitter MMA community. I was kind of like lonely and she just shot me out. Of, she was like, hey, yo, give this guy a follow. And I, I ended up meeting up with so many cool people. But anyways, thank you so much. And um, her question is, should Khabib be stripped and does Connor get preferential treatment? He did slap a ref and nothing happened. Again, the things that I addressed early on. Um, I don't, I think if Khabib somehow decides to come back and do that PSA and become eligible to return uh, at the same time as Connor, they don't strip him. Uh, should he refuse to do that PSA ad and refuse to fight his suspension, then there is a possibility that they strip him. Uh, I, I, the UFC has clearly shown that uh, stripping a fighter of their belt uh, if you're not one Conor McGregor, is a very easy thing to do. So that's my answer with that. Uh, does Conor get preferential treatment? That goes without saying. Uh, that that's not that's not indicative of how I feel about Conor McGregor. I could care less. You know, I, I used to be a really big fan. I was watching him back in his amateur days when he was fighting in the Irish promotion, and I just kind of feel like after the Chad Mendes fight, he no longer was my favorite fighter. He beat a guy that was like on two weeks, you know, it's just, ugh, it was a crappy, it just, I fell out of love with Conor McGregor. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but he does get preferential treatment. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't even need to go into it. The writing is on the wall. The guy's gotten, he's gotten away with murder. I won't say murder. He's just gotten away with being a real freaking dick. For lack of a better word, uh, he did slap a ref, yeah, you know, and nothing happened. That's what I'm saying. It's just, uh, uh, it's Conor McGregor, another fighter that is very exhausting to be a fan of. Uh, but yeah, go follow her, Chief from State Farm. Like I said, not for the faint of heart. Don't shoot her a follow if you ain't ready to uh to get hit with some vicious tweets. She does not pull back any punches uh the next question question number five uh this one comes from mma explained by a moron should a suspension result in an automatic stripping of a title i think it should uh downtime between fights is different than a disciplinary suspension now i'm going to try to make sense of this one uh Again, this coincides with what I said in the last one. The Athletic Commission, um, they have no power. They, the, the worst that they can do is not sanction a fight. You know, remember when Al Quinta fought Khabib? It couldn't be for the title, but they did allow them to fight. Um, the Athletic Commission has no power to strip a belt because it's the UFC's belt. It's not the Athletic State Commission's belt. And because the UFC is not involved in cross-platform promotion or cross-organizational promotion, like how boxing has the IBF, WBO, WBC, um, there's no like 
governing body for the belt other than the UFC. So if the question is, should a suspension result in an automatic stripping of a title with respects to the UFC's perspective? Uh, it depends on the severity of the offense. Like I said, Khabib comes back in six months. Don't strip him. Khabib comes back in nine months. Maybe you strip him. Uh, the downtime between fights, you know, uh, suspension, uh, you know, whether it's a suspension, whether you're off from fighting because you're suspended or downtime between fights, eh, you really just, I don't, I don't think they could, I don't think the justification is there. You know, I, I don't think, uh, like I said, the UFC is going to do what it wants and the suspensions, uh, or the discipline that the UFC themselves decide to hand out is independent of what the athletic commissions decide. The UFC, although they they fall under the jurisdiction of the commissions, the UFC and uh, their pinheads, suits that sit up at the top, they're going to make the decision that is best for the UFC, not the commission. As we have so seen with the John Jones Gustafson fight moving from Nevada to California. Uh, and for those of you guys who want to shoot him a follow, that is his name, MMA Explained by a Moron. Uh, but yeah, shoot him a follow. Another I've been talking with these guys and gals all day, every day for the past like three, four days now. It's been so much fun. And I really do appreciate you guys again for submitting your questions. Now, listener question number six. What weight division, uh, this question comes from Cold One Steel, at Cold One Steel. Uh, what weight division will the belt move around the most? If Khabib stays out until October, should there be an interim belt? Is Pico overrated? Okay. Let's try, uh, it's, you know, the reason why I spoke about the the um hearing was because i got a lot of questions pertaining to khabib and connor that's that's the hot topic you know what i'm saying i wish i you know i wish we could talk about other things but this is what's hot you know what i'm saying and the speculation is real um i don't see tyron woodley losing anytime soon so i'm gonna say that the welterweight uh jeez, this this is a tough question uh for the ufc with respects to the ufc now, if you ask me about Bellator, aside from heavyweight and light heavyweight, the belts, I think, are going to be moving very rapidly. I think every other belt other than the heavyweight and light heavyweight belt are going to be moving around maybe two, three times this year. In respects to the UFC, heavyweight will not move. I think DC continues to clean shop. Unless he fights John Jones, then there's a realistic chance that something bad could happen. But DC is undefeated. You know, like you can't go against the man's record. Even though uh, the most heavyweight def title defenses, the record is really only three. So, uh, but the statistics don't lie. DC is undefeated at heavyweight. And I don't think Kane coming back is going to rattle that decision. DC will ride off into the sunset before Kane or anyone else 
comes back and poses a potential threat. So, um, light heavyweight, John Jones. It ain't going anywhere. Um, hold on one second. But I do have to pick one. I'm going to pick one for you. Give me one second. Give me one second. I'm just pulling up the entire list. And I, I just need to look at the, the the UFC roster and see what makes sense. I apologize for not researching the... Uh, whatchamacallit. I am going to say middleweight. I apologize, Robert Whitaker. Uh, I'm going to say that the middleweight title is probably the most likely to change. UFC fighters, weight divisions, and classes. Let's go. Yeah, I I, I sincerely think it's going to be middleweight. Can I can I expand this? No. Well, I'm just going to go by the rankings. Forget it. Let me go to the well. Da, 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 da. Yeah, sincerely speaking, middleweight is the most volatile. I I say that because it's nothing but like assassins at that weight class you have robert whitaker the champion and you have yoel romero who's the number one contender luke rockhold who maybe hasn't looked his best recently but did beat chris weidman uh you have kelvin gastelum and this is very interesting that chris weidman is still ranked number five uh, but hey you know uh yeah, I think that one, at any given night, you might see a resurgence from any of those fighters. And I'm going to I'm gonna pick the middleweight ranking. So, for your second part of the question, uh, if Khabib stays out until October, again, I answered that question. So, if he's out, yes, there should be an inter... You know, that's probably the safest bet. I did not suggest that, them putting an interim belt. I was suggesting more that they strip him. Uh, but hey, yeah, we, we could... um. We could give him an interim. We could we could put up an interim belt. I dig that. And oh, for those of you guys who want to talk uh, with Cold Steel, Adam, there you go at Cold One Steel. So thank you so much. And that actually wraps up our questions. We made it, and the podcast has run. Um, it 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 freaking ran. As long as I normally, I, I didn't think I could do this live, guys. I know that there might have been some lulls. Um, there may have been some lulls in, in, in the conversation, but uh, I, I, I did it by myself. Wow. Well, with the help of you guys and, uh, asking me questions as well. So maybe if you guys shoot me some feedback, we can do it again. And uh, I want to thank everybody again. Um, Shout out to everybody that submitted questions. And I want to thank everybody who gave me that promotion, that like that push on Twitter to meet the fans and things like that. And and whoever's tuning in and watching the podcast uh, live now on Twitch and um, and on Periscope. I really respect you guys and um, I want to do this again. So give me your feedback. 
know, try not to put it on my timeline. You know, like if you have anything like constructive criticism, if you have something that like you think might hurt my feelings, you mind just sending it to me in a DM so I could like sulk privately. Don't shame me in public. I'm just out here. I'm a fan and I want to interact with you fans. And I hope that these questions that I have will actually turn into guests. And we have live guests where we can openly talk about all of these things. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all fans of the sport. So, uh, you know, with that being said, I love you guys so much. I hope you guys have a lovely evening.